Welcome to the Pod 20. I'm Graham Mack, and on this week's show, Gabby Roslin talks about wanting to be a TV presenter from the age of three, and Dr. Roger and Friends from the Bright Side of Longevity podcast will tell us about their favourite episodes. My special guests are Giles Paley Phillips and Jim Daly, the hosts of Blank Podcast. Let's find out what your backgrounds are. Do you want to go first, Giles? Yeah, of course. Um, well, my background really is um, sort of being very, very poor at academia. Right. And okay. Failing, failing, failing quite a lot during my early life. And then, so let's and just then... see. Let's just see though who has. The 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 I I think I'll win this one if we're having a contest wow. for the worst <laughs> for the for the least amount of school qualifications at the end okay. of all of those years of free state funded schooling. Yeah. What so, what did you end up with? I've got one GCSE. Okay. Well, we're level on that. I okay. only had what? Well, it was an O level back then, but yeah, yeah, it yeah. was it was grade D technical science. Can you beat okay. that? Well, mine was, I did get a C, actually. Ah, oh, so I win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the thickest. You're far more miserable than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, going on for that, I, I, I went to college. What did you study at college that you could do with doing, only one GCSE? Yeah, well, I was kind of, you know what it's like with this, with the, with the British kind of education system, we were kind of, you know, you kind of segue into, like, following what everyone else is doing. So you sort of did, you know, you do your GCSEs, then you go to college with all your mates and they're all doing A-levels and you're thinking, well, I, I want to fit in. I want to be able to go to college and hang out with my mates still. So I, I started doing GCSE retakes because I thought, well, I need to get the, the, the you know, the sort of, um, the, 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 if you think about the, um, the scene in Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, bear with me, bear with me, <laughs> where he's going at the beginning where he's going to get the, the idol and he kind of puts now the idol think of the idol being a levels and i felt like i had to put the gcse's was the bag of sand and i was kind of trying to sort of measure out the bag of sand to make sure that i could get the get the a levels basically and um like indiana jones i i've i've failed miserably and i was started being like spears started being thrown at me and 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 skeletons popping out of the walls so i i didn't do very well sorry that was a very stupid metaphor but anyway <laughs> oh i enjoyed it i didn't do very oh, well at school and um and basically i i ended up meeting some guys that were really into music and i joined a band and we started yeah, writing our own material, and 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 we started really, really wanting to be musicians, and that was kind of my first, I guess, my first segue into sort of creativity. And then I did that for a few years, and then got into writing, and then eventually um, now podcasting. So yeah, that was a very long answer to your question. Yeah, and whereabouts was this? Where did you grow up? So I, I'm from the south coast of England, on on um, a little town called Seaford. I've lived here all my life. Uh, it's sort of, I guess, geographically, geographically, it's in between sort of Eastbourne and Brighton on that south coast sort of one of those places that probably was a bit of a tourist trap back in the 60s and 70s maybe 80s but then now is kind of all those kind of seaside hotels and everything has all all kind of been turned into flats and it's a bit kind of but it's very pretty i mean like i mean there's a lot of towns on that coast like hastings and stuff which are have obviously gone a bit rack and ruin i have to say but seaford's this sort of sleepy town a lot of people move here a lot of commuters move here because it's a bit cheaper to live here but also you've got direct lines to brighton and london um so yeah it's a lovely little town i've never wanted to move right on the south south coast near the south downs it's um it's beautiful so yeah sounds great giles we'll find out what jim's story is in a bit <laughs> 
This is the Pod 20, heard on podcast radio on DAB in London, the home counties, Manchester and Glasgow, on demand in the USA at talkers.com and around the world on multiple platforms and as a podcast itself. Number 20 this week, Catherine Ryan telling everybody everything. One of the things Catherine talks about in her latest episode is what to do with a well-endowed gentleman who won't commit. Number 19, Sword and Scale, a true crime podcast covering the dark side of humanity and human nature. The latest episode features Clark Fredericks, who was arrested for stabbing to death a retired police lieutenant in the small town of Stillwater, New Jersey. 18, That Gabby Roslin podcast. Gabby, you wanted to be a TV presenter from the age of three. How did you know? Uh, because my dad worked at the BBC, so I used to go to work with him, as you do as a little child. You go to work with your mum and your dad. And my mum was a doctor's receptionist. I didn't want to be a doctor. Um, and uh, my dad worked at the BBC as a continuity announcer and a newsreader. So uh, continuity announcer on telly, newsreader on the radio. And I used to go with him to television centre, BBC TV centre, and... I just knew that that's what I wanted to do because I also loved watching television. I think I always joke that I came out of my mother and said, oh, turn the telly on. <laughs> um, and it was an actual job. I never thought of it as um, showbiz or fame or glamour. I just thought I love it. So I want to do something I love. And then I started watching Blue Peter from the age of Dot and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then more and more... The more of television I watched, I thought, no, that's really what I want to do. Saturday morning telly started when I was a teenager and I realized I'd moved on to wanting to do that. So when I did actually do Saturday morning TV, that was bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the state of Saturday morning TV right now? Okay, so James Martin is a friend, so I have to be very careful. But I love James's show. I love Lisa uh, Faulkner. Um, but, but I just think I do get upset that there's no sort of anarchic television anymore. Motormouth was great fun. Um, there were, we, we did, we did things that you don't see on telly anymore. We did crazy things. The big breakfast, we did crazy things. I think, I think TV might be a bit safe, not all the time, but I think Saturday morning telly might be a bit too safe. And I think there needs to be a place that, that, um, people can go to. Cause I, I think Saturday morning television was a place for all ages. So kids could go and the, the gags would go over their heads. Parents would lie there thinking, I can't believe they got away with that on telly. And and people, teenagers and university students, I think were probably our core audience. Um, and it was hangover TV. You didn't have to concentrate too hard. So I think that that sort of thing's missing with a bit of anarchic craziness. Your family are from Zimbabwe. My father was born there, yes. So I went, I'm very blessed to have been every year of my life. And my uh, grandmother was an MP, the first female MP there. And she fought to make it a multiracial society. She loathed it as it was when Ian Smith got his hands on it. And she hated it like that. But you've not really been that political. I work for the BBC for most of my life, <laughs> okay. so I have to be very quiet. <laughs> okay. I believe in fairness throughout um, uh, very passionately, so I'm, I can say that, and I've always said that. I believe in 
Uh, I really truly believe, I think that how it was in Africa and how it is around the world that the amount of hate towards somebody because of their color of their skin or their religion or their sexuality uh, or even their sex is uh, abhorrent, absolutely abhorrent. So yes, I stand, stand by that no matter what. Yeah, people shouldn't be judged on what group you've decided they belong to. People should be judged on what they say, what they do, and who they are. Gabby Roslin. That Gabby Roslin podcast is at number 18 this week, and Gabby will be back next week to talk about how she got into TV presenting. At 17, and that's why we drink, murder and the paranormal finally meet. The world's a scary place, and that's why we drink. At 16, the Joe Rogan experience, one of Joe's latest guests, is the comedian Bill Burr. At 15, how to vaccinate the world from BBC Radio 4. Let's check in with my special guest podstars this week. From Blank Podcast, it's Giles Paley-Phillips and Jim Daly. We found out all about you earlier, Giles. How about you, Jim? What's your story? Well, I'm not from the South Coast. I'm from North Kent originally, so not, not too far away. Um, but I did want to leave my hometown, and leave I did very quickly. Um, I now live in Buckinghamshire, in a place called Chesham, which is very nice as well, quite quite pretty. Um, on the end of the tube line, on the end of the Met line, so I call it London, but it's very much not London. Um, but my background, well, school-wise, I actually did okay at school. I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of losing this competition with you guys. Well, no, no, okay, this, we, let's so. take the competitive element out of it, because it's just... It, it, I did, it, but I did fine. I did, I did fine. One of those kids that just, like, sort of, like, got through, wasn't particularly brilliant at anything, just got fine. I did okay. I think very much sort of blended into the background um, and did what I needed to do. Uh, and then after that, I went to uni and studied journalism, was desperate to be a journalist, a football journalist. Uh, no, actually... Yeah, I was desperate to be a feature writer for The Guardian or, or like The Independent or like The Observer on Sunday. I thought that would be the coolest job. Uh, then I realised you have to work really hard to do that and uh, it's quite difficult. So I ended up being a football news reporter, then a football reporter. Uh, then I thought that was really boring. So I went to America to coach soccer for a few months, lived in South LA, which is amazing. Then my visa wow. ran out, so I had to come home uh, and then went back into football writing and then decided I wanted to try comedy. So for the last five, six years, I've been doing comedy. So always creative. Yeah. Uh, never, never much money, I would say. So how Jim, did? Sorry, sorry, Graham. I just sorry. I, this is me battening in, which I often no, do. That's, I, this... I'm really. I, well, no, I'm really intrigued by the because I've always wanted to do the soccer camp thing in in America. I remember reading. I used to get. Um, it was probably shoot or something, and they always advertised those um kind of six month kind of things where you could go over and train like yeah. americans that had never heard of football yeah. um yeah was it it was good though was it it's amazing so i did my first one in 2003 so basically each summer in between university i would then go off and and do these soccer camp things um i was in texas the first year then new jersey then i was in Massachusetts and Maine and Connecticut the year after. Then I was in Idaho and Colorado and Nevada the year after that. And then went back in 2009 and lived in L.A. Also spent a few weeks in Utah. That was interesting. Um, the but it was, 
Yeah, live with some Mormon families. They were um, they were they were very nice. Very. Were they nice. like the Osmonds? I mean, that's that's all. That's my only point of reference for Mormons. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, I, I would say, I'd say they were they were quite intense, quite intense, a uh, few weeks. But um, Utah, I was in Salt Lake City. It's a weird city because like half the half of them are really Mormon and really quite intense with it and quite serious, and the other people who are not Mormon try their best to then make up for it, so they party really hard those non-mormon people which i didn't expect when i got i thought the whole city would be mormon and dry and on lockdown but um no there's some there's some partiers in that city um but anyway uh yeah coaching soccer out there is interesting because they think that because you're from england and got a british accent that uh you basically are david beckham and if you can do about five keep-ups then you basically are david beckham to them so and i can do about seven or eight so i was essentially a professional footballer while out there um in the in the eyes of these kids so it's fantastic it was amazing amazing time you'd always stay with host families i stay with some amazing families uh who i'm still in contact with now um so yeah it was good i did there was i was too young the first year on out to drink but we used to photocopy our passports and then we use tipex to change the dates <laughs> so i think i made myself like 28 or something um don't know how i got away with that i think mainly because we go to bars in south texas and the and the doorman would be like we never see english people so just come in just come in i don't care how young you are but i remember i remember pretending to be english footballers to try and chat up <laughs> girls out there this is really embarrassing did it work just, no um but i remember I remember thinking, Giles will know this reference because he's a Crystal Palestine like me, but I remember thinking, I can't pretend to be a really famous footballer because that, like, people had, this is 2003, so I guess you could, could you Google stuff on your phone? No, but when you got home, you probably could. So I had to be like a low-level footballer. So I chose a guy uh, called Lee Bradbury. I don't remember him. Nice. Played, played for you Crystal Palestine. You actually Palace. chose an actual player. Yeah, because then I thought <laughs> you couldn't just be just, you couldn't be, just use your own name. Yeah, James Daly, professional footballer. But no, I, I need to like. I mean, I'm very bad at lying, as you're discovering. So I need to be at least a professional footballer, but not one that was famous. So I chose. I remember saying to this girl, "Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm a professional footballer. My name's Lee Bradbury." Then it had to be Lee for the rest of the night. It was very confusing because I wouldn't yeah. respond, and people said, "James, James, do you want a drink?" Um, so that didn't work either. But uh, yeah, interesting times. Great people. That is interesting right. that you yeah. deliberately... I got mistaken for a professional footballer once. And well, a load of us did. I lived in New Zealand from the age of 18 uh, until until 1990. So it was. I lived in New Zealand for seven years and then I lived in Australia for six and a half years. Wow. But when we were in New Zealand, now and again, British clubs would come out to play the All Whites, the New Zealand national team, and we lived. I was working as a construction worker on an oil refinery. I was a pipe fitter on a construction job, and so it was full of people from all over the world. So you gravitate to the English and the Scots, just hang out together. So we're all like, you know, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, and uh, we lived about three hours drive from Auckland, the biggest city, and we we rented a van and about. 12 of us went down to Auckland to watch Newcastle United versus the All Whites. We also went to see Glasgow Rangers months before that. But anyway, went to see Newcastle United. And on the way back, we're at this like roadhouse, the Dome Valley Roadhouse. And we're having fish and chips and a couple of beers. And all the staff asked us for autographs. And they, <laughs> they thought we were the Newcastle United team who were on tour. Amazing. We were young Graham, British lads. We must, Graham so, said his name was 
Kevin Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Peter Beardsley was era. Was that? I think I've possibly Steve Howie. You might have Steve Howie vibe. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to work out what football. But no, I had that in America because again, you, we, when you went into these small towns that had never heard of soccer or had met anyone, you were basically celebs. So we had that same thing. People asking for autographs and photos. It's 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 a very weird experience. Um, I'm just thinking as you're saying that as well. The All Whites, not yeah. a great nickname for a football no, team. Let's be no, honest. It's no. not. It does have. It yeah. does have a slight right leaning. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, themes to it. I'd be surprised if they still call themselves the All Whites. No, I think they are still called the All really? Whites to this day. Yeah. Is is the opposite to the All Blacks, the the rugby team? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. even so, that's bold. That's very bold. <laughs> yeah. It's Jim Daly and Giles Paley Phillips. The hosts of Blank Podcast. More from them in a little bit. They are my special guest pod stars this week on the Pod 20. Back to the chart now. And at number 14, the Ezra Klein Show, the winner of the 2020 Webby and People's Voice Award for Best Interview Podcast. On the latest episode, how to raise your frequency and create positive energy with people. Number 11, two decorators and a microphone from father and son team of Trevor and Ryan Mangan. So, Trevor, you were a painter and decorator. Ryan comes along. When you left school, Ryan, what were your plans? I didn't particularly have much of a plan, to be honest. Um, I ended up just flitting around between random jobs here and there. Then ended up labouring on the building site uh, for a bricklayer and didn't like that. Then worked in London for about 10 months, but the commute was killer. So I came back and was like, oh, well, while, while I find something else to do or what I want to do, can I come and work with you for a couple of weeks? Yeah. And much the same as how you got into decorating, which was, uh, oh, I'll help you out for a couple of weeks yeah. and never look back. I exactly. was the same. We just sort of fell into it. Oh, yeah, I had my mate. Um, fit, I was fitting sunroofs, and he wanted a hand with um, decorating in Byfleet, and that was it. Never really went back. Yeah. So yeah, sort of. I think it's one of those trades that you just sort of fall into, don't you? Yeah. I, I don't know. My both my granddads were painters and decorators. Yeah. But it's something that never interested me, and I don't know why. I'm, I'm, <laughs> my old man used to paper the house every like four years or something, and maybe a regular. Yeah, no, it was. It was. Yeah. Well, this was the seventies. You know, it was like every four years. A, the trends had changed a bit, so he's like, "Oh, I think I'll paper a you know a different room." Well, you had the McDonald's wallpaper in our hallway for a good fifteen years, didn't you? Yeah. So, yeah. Tell yeah. us about that then. What happened there? Um, I was working at McDonald's. I think it was in I was caught years ago. There was some paper left over, and it was really nice paper to hang. So uh, I thought that looked nice in the hallway. So I come uh, come back, put it up because I'm getting always getting nagged at. as a as you're a decorator, you're always being nagged at to do the decorating. So to the decorate. People are coming round, and they sort of look at the wallpaper, and that's nice. And they sort of look like they, you know, I'm sure I know it from somewhere else. Bit of like deja vu on it, yeah, exactly. And then I was in a local McDonald's, and unfortunately, the um, refurbs are from London down to our area. My missus wasn't happy, <laughs> so <laughs> she she sprung it. You didn't tell her that's where the paper had come from. Oh, did you tell her? She didn't know, did she? Yeah. she? She was just she was just grateful to be honest that the decorating had been done. Yeah. So, uh, is that a problem? Because when I was in a band in New Zealand, the bass player was a carpenter, and every time he went round his house, it was just all these unfinished projects. Because yeah. whenever he got home from work, the last thing he wanted to do was pick up a hammer and a saw. So is that I what your house is like? The secret is you just do enough to stop them nagging and then stop. 
That's why yeah. nothing's ever done because you you make the impression that you're going to do something. You start. You spend they, a good morning on it. Yeah, they lay off you for a bit, and then you're all right for another six months. You can sort of, but yeah, it's it's true that you do just spend your time. Yeah, you spend your time at work. You don't want to come home and then do more work. And why would you... No one's paying you. No, exactly. Why would you do the work at home when you could go to work and be paid for doing it? Yeah. Which is sort of the same sort of scenario, I think. Yeah. Now... Do some painting around the house to stop you moaning at me for rent when I live here. Yeah, yeah. So, the same sort of thing, isn't it, really? Are you still living at home now, then, Ryan? No, long gone now. (laughs) This This is Ryan's old bedroom. Yeah. Right. Oh, very nice it is too. Yeah. So much, what you've done with your wardrobe, I've done yes. the same. The wardrobe, so- yeah. This is a this is a, this is a conversion job. So, oh, I see. Right. So this is this is Ryan's bedroom. Looks great. You called it. What did you call it? The wardrobe. What you, you had a word for your studio, didn't you? Didn't you call it a wardio? Wardio or a? I don't know, but I might. I like that though. I might call it that. Yeah, I think I, I think you've done a mate. I think you've worked wonders with that. Um. <laughs> Genuinely, yeah. it looks you know it's it's about about the end result, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. you know if it works, if it suits purpose. Exactly. We were we were just before we come started. We were saying this table is probably about as big as you as the whole of this wardrobe. Yeah. This this is five hundred mil, yeah. and I think this is maybe just over a meter, maybe twelve hundred. It mightn't be that. Mightn't yeah. be that big. But it's a good yeah. thing you've not put on any um, lockdown weight. Don't go in there and eat because you might not be. (laughs) 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 Two decorators and a microphone is at number 11 this week. Next week, find out from Ryan what it's really like spending all day with your old man. Number 10, the High Performance Podcast with Jake Humphrey. Nine, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. At eight, No Such Thing as a Fish, the award-winning podcast from the QI offices. At seven, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. After 25 years at the late night desk, despite thousands of interviews, Conan O'Brien has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So, he started a podcast to do just that. His latest guest is John Cleese. Number six, Blank Podcast with Giles Paley Phillips and Jim Daly. Does the podcast make money? Not really. <laughs> Have you got the Patreon thing going? A lot of people are doing well with Patreon. You, you got that going? Yeah, we've got the Patreon. Now, we've been working. I have to say, we we don't, like, month to month, we, do, we don't make, uh, we make a little bit of revenue. And I guess not not, not having to travel at the moment is handy because we don't have to put any money into sort of yeah. t- train tickets and stuff. But we have been incredibly fortunate that we've um, managed to get a book deal and we've, you know, Great. we've, we've doing the book uh, the book's out in march we just announced it um, and what is the book transcripts of the interviews or well no it's a little bit that's what howard stern's late, latest book it was he really cheated they just found a lot of archive interviews well, and just yeah, transcribed exactly. them that's not a book yeah and and there've been other i've seen other podcast books that i like that mark Marin did one which is just transcripts i think um there's been others as well i, I it was something i didn't want to do with this we we really didn't well, we wanted to use bits of uh, we did want to use um, sort of bits from the podcast. Quotes. Yeah, cool. To, yeah. to illustrate, obviously. But yeah. it was very much, I wanted to do, we wanted to focus on the subjects that come up and what blank means to 
to uh, for, so as we we've noticed through doing the podcast is that blank means different things to different people so i think when we started it was to talk to creative people and it was about those creative blanks you might go through but actually it's turned into imposter syndrome public failure social anxiety grief all these different things um education whatever it might be to that particular person and that's the evolution of the of the podcast and the subject within the podcast is kind of where the book's coming from. And we, Jim and I, uh, talk about our own feelings about those particular subjects. And so that's that that part. Those parts of the books are very kind of memoir. They're kind of moments from our own lives where we've we've had those things come up, and then we we kind of use anecdotal um, pieces from like stories in the press or interesting news stories, that kind of stuff, and then. There are paraphrased sections from our from our guests, which we know. Tell you what, it'd make a cracking audio book because you could voice it, and then you could when you when you quote the bits from the guests, you've got the audio of the guests saying it. And make a great audio book. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll have to talk to Quadrilla about that. that. We should, yeah, that'd be that'd be. Well, I'm hoping they'll get someone really good like Stephen Fry or something. <laughs> that'd be amazing. I mean, you two uh, do maybe it. you'll end up doing it, Graham. No, yes. I'm not going to end up doing it. So but what? No, po- it's, been, it's been really, really fun process because we've we've been able to uh, really make it a unique book. Obviously, it's a companion piece to the podcast, but it's very much a book on its own as well. Yeah, I, we've actually just been reading the proof this week and sending our notes back. I'm like reading it back. I was slightly worried that it, I, what I'd done hasn't very, wasn't very good. It, it does, it does stand up actually. It's quite good. I'm slightly worried I've overshared a bit too much. Like Graham, I have called previous employers idiots in it as well. I've noticed, <laughs> uh, so I'm not getting a job at Joe again. Um, but I think actually sometimes you have to be honest. You have to be, you know, we're talking about blank moments and difficult moments in your life. You have to be honest to understand those moments and to overcome them uh, and to be able to translate what they mean to you. So. Yeah, it's um, it's the most honest I've ever been actually. In any of most of my creative work, from journalism to comedy, has been me mucking around. Although I'm I'm getting more truthful with my comedy actually, because I think again to get to get the best comedy, you ha- it has to be truthful as well. So I'm learning to open up a bit more, and and this pod and this book has actually really helped with that over the last couple of years anyway. So um, it's been a fascinating. I've never written a book before, so it's been an absolutely fascinating process doing it. Um, it's been really eye opening. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. So please buy the book would be my <laughs> overriding and, message. And the book is just, is it called Blank as well? Yeah, it's called Blank, and it, but it's got a subtitle, which is how it's um, fine to falter and fail and how to pick yourself up again. So it's this this idea that, you know, we go we all have these moments and, and how we get through them, you know, yeah. and, and that's kind of what the podcast has sort of become as well. You know, we ask our guests at the end of each pod how they deal with their own blank moments and what they do to, you know, if they've got advice um, to our listeners on how how they get through their own black moments and and, and if they can share it and I, I guess the whole the book is 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 a sort of uh, is a basically a, a an evolution of that kind of process. Well, it really works. It's a great idea for a podcast too. Blank podcast with Giles Paley Phillips and Jim Daly is at number six this week. Giles and Jim will be back next week to talk about creating a deep relationship with their listeners. Number five this week, my dad wrote a porno. Imagine if your dad wrote a dirty book. Most people would try to ignore it and pretend that it never happened. But not Jamie Morton. Instead, he's decided to read it to the world in this award-winning podcast. Number four, happy mum, happy baby. 
Giovanna Fletcher continues the conversation about motherhood that she started in her best-selling book. Number three, Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe's lockdown parenting hell. It's parenting, just not as you know it. Number two, The Bright Side of Longevity with Dr. Roger and Friends, hosted by Dr. Roger Landry, Daniel Pai, and Teresa Beshwait. Do you have a favorite episode? Uh, I can see Danielle thinking. Uh, <laughs> I have two. You have two? Okay, what are they, Danielle? So the first one I loved uh, with Jane Parker, uh, who's a friend of ours and a psychotherapist, and we brought her on right as COVID hit, and nobody knew how it spread. Everybody was, you know, locked down. And, um, and she got on there and just really laid out some quality resources for people to kind of not lose their minds, how to, how to um, navigate. And she would talk about, you know, finding glimmers and looking for, for expressing gratitude, having a routine. She would talk about, you know, finding something creative and purposeful. And it was just very um, uh, an uplifting episode. So I really enjoyed that one. And actually, that one, I think, is still our number one biggest episode. When I look at the numbers, that one is the one that's the top. And then the other one I like, it was part three. We did a three-part spirituality series. And in part three, we talked a lot about purpose and finding your personality traits and character strengths and figuring out, because some people know what they want from the time they're born. And some people now are like, okay, I'm transitioning. I'm retiring. I'm no longer raising kids. Now, now what? And so that episode was really about finding you know, the what's next and, and looking at life, as Teresa was saying, with like that curiosity, you know, what what's possible. Teresa, My what are favorites are, are always when we talk about resilience, and we've done this in a number of episodes, so I don't know that we can, I could pick just one, but I love when we talk about life throws curveballs and what resilience is and that it is a muscle that we can flex and, and build and um, grit and and I personally am learning a lot about post-traumatic growth these days. So I love any episode that we're, we're dealing with life's realities and giving people really practical tools to navigate. Uh, so many people go through their lives defined by a negative experience. They define their lives. And, and to the extent that if indeed you could remove it or you try to remove it, they resist because their life's definition is around this particular event, even though it's negative. And if you take that away, there's a feeling that their very, their very self, their very essence is being removed. This is a psychological thing talked very uh, by many psychologists. Eckhart Tolle in uh, The Power of Now mentions it. And it, it seems counterintuitive, but if you've seen the person, you know, who you know, and uh, you, you, you run into them periodically and always this, the, the car accident comes up, you know, yeah. or who's burning down comes up or, you know, or the friend who uh, stole their money, you know, that just is a, is a continued theme. Yeah. Yeah, well, we could go with the dark side of longevity, but that wouldn't be doing any good <laughs> to anybody, you know, so we choose the <laughs> right side. <laughs> that already exists. Yeah. <laughs> the Bright Side of Longevity with Dr. Roger and Friends is at number two this week. Dr. Roger and Friends will be back next week to talk about the podcasts they listen to. Which brings us to the top of the shop and at number one. Grounded with Louis Theroux. 
Louis talks to high-profile people from all walks of life on both sides of the Atlantic. That's it for episode 33 of the Pod 20. Thanks to this week's guest pod stars, Giles Paley-Phillips, Jim Daly, Gabby Roslin, Trevor and Ryan Mangan, Dr. Roger Landry, Danielle Pai, Teresa Beshwaite, and if you'd like to watch extended video chats with my guests, check them out on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Next week's guest is Andy Smith, the director at Made by Mortals, who've got a podcast called Armchair Adventures. Andy, what are Armchair Adventures? Yeah, so Armchair Adventures is a, a journey of the imagination. Uh, it's been made by older people from the community uh, during lockdown. Uh, they've gone through a series of uh, Zoom weekly Zoom sessions, creating the narrative and the story and the music. And it's a podcast for, for young people created by these older people. So what age are we talking about here then for the people who so are the, creating it? The people who've made it have been over 55s, right. uh, like I say, from mm-hmm. the community. Um, and each episode in the in the Armchair Adventures series is inspired by one of their hobbies or pastimes, the things that they've been missing the most during lockdown. Uh, and then, like I say, it goes, uh, you, you have an initial discussion with one of these people and then it, it kind of fires into their imaginations and the listener goes on that journey, that armchair adventure with them. You mentioned Zoom. How is that connected then? So they're, they're, they're all in isolation, all locked down and connected by Zoom. Is that it? That's right, yeah. So some of the there's about 14 of them uh, that have been doing it week by week and they're, they connect every week on Zoom. Some of them, unfortunately, uh, didn't have webcams or things like that. So we resourced that, first of all. And then there's another kind of uh, barrier that we face in that some of them uh, don't have Wi-Fi. So we pay for a free phone phone number on Zoom. So some of the participants take part and create the work and record their voices just literally over the end of the telephone. Uh, kind of dialing into the session and how is it funded then so it's funded through the arts council and the national lottery uh, we were really fortunate enough that they supported this particular project and we also uh, received a, a little bit of funding from uh, the pure imagination trust and what they do is take live music into health and well healthcare settings and unfortunately they're not able to do that at the moment for obvious reasons and uh, this kind of armchair adventures idea caught their imagination and and yeah they've helped support us as well good stuff it's andy smith from made by mortals he'll be talking about the podcast armchair adventures next week on the pod 20 and what will happen on the podcast radio chart next week will louis theroux still be at number one Maybe your favourite podcast will make it to the top of the chart. Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart yourself by making a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.